turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Welcome back Wednesday, June 16th, 2021. The President of the United States came back from meeting with the Russian leader at their first summit and said, quote, he just beat the hell out of me, close quote. That was John Kennedy in 1961. Speaking of his summit with Nikita Khrushchev, quote, he savaged me. Worst thing in my life, close quote. What happened? Kennedy simply thought he could charm and outthink Khrushchev, and he was unprepared for Khrushchev's coldness or callousness towards life. I'm watching the summit in Geneva between Biden and Putin, and though the reasons are a little different, even if related, there's going to have to be a major turnaround for the narrative to be much different than 1961 in the end. If ever strong and weak horses mattered, they matter when it comes to U.S.-Soviet or U.S.-Russian relations. Jimmy Carter would plant a kiss physically on the cheek of Leonid Brezhnev, and the Soviets ramped up their invasions and abuse of the West, including Afghanistan. Ronald Reagan refused to even meet with the Soviets at any point in his first term, and the USSR reformed and fell. The memory holding has already begun on this one. Before the summit has even concluded, former CIA director John Brennan said this on CNN yesterday, quote, unlike a Trump who was a novice, an amateur, and he stumbled through the issues, Biden is deeply educated on these issues and he can talk about them in a way that Donald Trump never could. I will give you another Hearing of that, John Brennan, former director of the CIA, unlike a Trump who was a novice, an amateur, and he stumbled through the issues, Biden is deeply educated on these issues and he can talk about them in a way that Donald Trump never could. We found an example of Joe Biden doing just this in Geneva. In a weekend interview, Vladimir Putin laughed at the suggestion that you had called him a killer. Is that still your belief, sir, that he is a killer? And I'll continue the trend if you don't mind of asking a second question. Do you believe if he does agree to cooperate, then what kind of a challenge do you find yourself in? How would you ever trust him? And if Ronald Reagan said trust but verify, what do you say to Vladimir Putin? (laughs) Answer the first question? (laughs) I'm laughing, too. They actually... I. No one was laughing. Well, look, I mean, he has made clear that. uh, uh, You haven't lost power on your radio. Trust me. The answer is, I believe he is in the past essentially acknowledged that he was uh, there are certain things that he would do or did do. But look, um, when I was asked that question on air, I answered it honestly. But 
It's not much of a. I, I, I don't think it matters a whole lot in terms of this. Next <laughs> His answer about is about an answer he previously. I've already answered that question once, honestly, about the thing that he used to do. What was that? Six seconds of silence. Do, do, can you get to the beginning of his answer again, not the question, Bill? How hard would that be? I know we're in the monologue. Is it still possible to do right where Joe Biden starts answering the question with a laugh? Is that possible? Just about there. I know we're in the monologue. First question. <laughs> I'm laughing, too. They actually. I... Well, look, I mean, he has made clear that. Uh, uh, The answer is six or seven. I seconds. believe he is in the past. Well, as John Brennan said, unlike a Trump who was a novice, an amateur, and he stumbled through the issues, Biden is deeply educated on these issues, and he can talk about them in a way that Donald Trump never could. At least Joe Biden doesn't stumble through the issues like Donald Trump, huh? And who saw coming that Vladimir Putin would turn the January sixth attack on the Capitol around on Joe Biden? And the Democrats making a political crime, the crime of the shooting of Ashley Babbitt and the cover up being on Biden, not Trump. I don't know if that will resonate, but it shouldn't be forgotten. In one sentence, Vladimir Putin put the moral and political ugliness of January 6th on Biden and the Democrats and stole it as the battering ram the Democrats had turned it into and using it against conservatives. See, that's the thing. If you act like an authoritarian, and what happened with Ashley Babbitt is nothing but the mark of authoritarianism, do not be surprised to be called one, and even if by another authoritarian. But that is the point, isn't it? Moral equivalence. Our problem is not calling authoritarians out. It's not calling them out here or elsewhere, and it's also our problem that the word has nearly been rendered meaningless by its being tossed around too casually when it should not be used. Moral equivalence being gained at the expense of moral distinctions between good and evil are now lost. And that was always our foreign policy concern. Not moral distinctions between good and evil would not be lost. At least we stated that. Whereby it used to matter here when our leaders acted or embraced policies or positions or tactics of our enemies, or at least policies, positions, and tactics that were not democratic. Thus, Tucker Carlson is absolutely right to ask, as he did, who did shoot Ashley Babbitt and why don't we know? Are anonymous agents now allowed to kill unarmed women who protest the regime? That's okay now? No, it's not, and it never will be. All, and why are all those January 6th protesters still in prison on trespassing charges as so many Vi Biden voters who torched federal buildings are walking free? What's the answer to that question? If all that was going on in Russia, we would call it scary. We would call Putin a dictator. Right. But it's going on here, which should be scary here since fire burns in Athens as it burns in Rome. So too does fear. This is a major problem for the left at several integral philosophical levels. Really big one. When you round up and hold indefinitely your own citizens for political purposes, which is what we're doing by the hundreds, what word does work or have meaning anymore? 
And why shouldn't our enemies use it against us when we raise our concerns about their behavior with them? If we act like them, they're right to tell us we are no better. And that's the other concern because we are. This is the major problem the left has foisted it upon us and used to a fare thee well. Let me try to break these issues down. One, the left preens about human rights, human rights abuses. Two, if the human rights abuse comes from a leftist regime or an anti-American regime, it will be ignored or covered up or given subvention. China, Iran. Three, the left does not believe America is exceptional, great, or better than any other place. So for thus, it has no problem reducing and stinting our banner, emblems, and marquees of such greatness, our liberties, our freedom. Five, thus it has no problem comparing us and our allies to the worst regimes in modern times. See Ilan Omar comparing the U.S. and Israel to the Taliban and Hamas. This is how moral equivalence begins. And distinctions lose their meaning. We've spoken about distinctions a lot recently and how important they are, be they ideological, partisan, ethical, religious, human, God, animal. In essence, scientific, in essence, we are talking about things like God as opposed to man, man as opposed to animal. We're talking nature or natural law, if you prefer, the principles we were founded on. Because once those distinctions, laws of nature and nature's God, because once those distinctions are secure, as opposed to, say, distinctions based on blood and who your father was, you can then make the subsidiary distinctions about good and bad, liberty and tyranny. Once you are in compliance with the natural law, nature, common sense, and the distinctions they present you, you are prepared, and only then prepared, to begin the discussions of distinctions on right and wrong and good and bad and liberty versus tyranny. Does one policy, for instance, serve the freedom and flourishing of man, or does it disserve it? Does one policy, for instance, confuse the distinctions between God and man, allowing men to act like gods, or does it preserve the distinction forbidding such irrigations? Does one policy, for instance, confuse the distinction between man and animal, such that certain men could be treated like certain animals? I hope one sees the classic problem of philosophy here, that is, the need for distinctions, contrasts, common meanings. When those distinctions are intact, men do not treat other men like animals or act like gods. In other words, when natural distinctions are preserved and protected, people and liberty thrive. When natural distinctions are voided or confused, we end up with examples of the worst regimes and crimes in history, assuming we can still understand what the word worst means in comparison to good or better or best or great, making it all the more ironic, Ilan Omer, Omar attributes the word crimes against humanity, which comes from a very certain trial in 1946 to the United States and Israel. If the left today hates two things, it's America and distinctions. And I suppose it is part and parcel of the same thing because it is only via distinction that America and even the West can be seen as great philosophical and cultural pioneers, the straight stick, if you will, laid next to the crooked ones. This rings hollow with the left because their Marxist inclinations and beliefs teach and instructs them that the only distinctions that matter are based on class and race, not between animal 
and man or man and God, but between different classes of humans based on race and economics, which, of course, take the old categories of hierarchy, putting the disfavored race or class into the position of animal and the favored class into the position of gods or tyrants who can act like gods, missing the main point and distinction and class, which is human. Abraham Lincoln put it that we can repeal the Declaration of Independence, we can repeal all past history, but you cannot repeal human nature, he said. But I give you the left today. They are repealing not only the first two, history and the Declaration of Independence, they're trying awfully hard at the third, human nature. They may not be able to physically, truly do it, they aren't God, but they sure as heck can engage in policies and rhetoric among the populace that has the effect of repealing human nature, giving us the dystopia that would result if it were done. That happens. And even the insignificant and personal distinctions like intelligence, beauty, strength, they all disappear, which is why I have you read Kurt Vonnegut's story, Harrison Bergeron, as often as I can. There was a lot here. Let me just say it's good to be back. And Thanks to J.D. Hayworth and Robert Graham for stepping in the past few days. Really appreciate it. Bill, your double duty. Thank you very much. And you all for your patience. But my fear here on this monologue, I hope we are not commencing an era that we already went through in our long twilight struggle. But then again, to know about that twilight struggle, one would have to know the difference between the distinction, if I may, between day and night. A distinction the left has also tried to extinguish. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. Again, thank you, Robert uh, Graham and J.D. Hayward for taking the uh, show. And thank you again, Bill. Last couple of days, much appreciated. Uh, got a lot to do today. This summit, I, you know, I'm still thinking about this summit I'm thinking about Biden and Harris and traveling internationally, and maybe it's not a good idea. You know, Biden was the chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Um, then again, he was also the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee. I don't think he did better in the second than in the first. We have often gone through the foreign policy decisions Joe Biden has gotten monumentally wrong from the 70s to today, including supporting the nuclear freeze, supporting aid to the resistance to the Soviets in Central America. Um, he was opposed to the first Gulf War that worked well and in favor of the second one that didn't. I'm just going off memory. And he, of course, was opposed to killing bin Laden, which is one I have still never heard rationally explained except for his uh, tentativeness and his concern about what others think. That is the point here. He talked today in a press conference about why, and I'm going to play some audio that's going to be kind of interesting, I think, for you. But he was he, he was asked in the press conference today um, why he thought Vladimir Putin would comply with certain international strictures that the United States wants to enforce. And he said because Putin cares about what others think of him. This is fundamentally false. I have not read the story on Putin that he actually cares what other people think of him. I can give you a whole list of actions that speak to the opposite of that. I think Joe Biden cares about what people think 
of him, which is why this summit took place. Achieving, please tell me what. Really, please, what, what was accomplished here? Accepting nominee on the part of Joe Biden, just as what was accomplished by Kamala Harris trip to Central America. I saw a child today at the border. I'm not sure what country he was from. Let's uh, uh, presume it was Guatemala, but it could have been another country in Central America. And the reporter asked him if he heard, did you see this? The reporter asked him if he heard Vice President Harris's direct order not to come or order not to come. And he said, no, we haven't heard that. Of course they haven't heard that. You know, if democracy isn't one election one time, then it seems to me serious public policy is not one statement of a desire to people in a foreign country one time. When, of course, you know damned well they have no intention of complying with what you're asking. Oh, well, Vice President Harris told us not to go north. Let's not go north. And then she never said anything else. Oh, she was pretty – she got angry with some reporters. Joe Biden got angry with reporter today. CNN, of all places. Um, I'm going to play some of that for you. So much so that he even did a rare apology, a rare effort at an apology. We'll do that in a few moments. But while you have the economic problems we obviously have, whether it's inflation or rising – yes, whether it is inflation that includes such things as rising food and gas prices, whether it's the problems we are still having with regard to reopenings or whether it's the problems we still have with regard to – with regard to uh, uh, full um, uh, the issues of ha- having to do with employment, not fi- with employers not finding enough employees because of government unemployment benefits and other training problems and closed down problems, or whether it's the crisis at the border, or whether it's the crisis at the border, they are not here dealing with that. They do not want to be here dealing with that. Joe Biden deputized Kamala Harris to make the border her issue. She has not and will not go to it. She had a terrible trip to Central America. So today, I, you know, I have this habit of where I like to go to the White House website and see what some of the cabinet members and president and vice president's remarks are because I don't watch TV all day. And I see today remarks by Vice President Harris in a meeting with members of the Texas State Senate and Texas House of Representatives. I went to it thinking, Oh, okay. She is addressing border crisis issues, talking to the legislature of Texas. Guess what? No. Immigration came up not at all. Not once today in their meeting in the Roosevelt Room. Voting rights issues came up. Voting rights. There is not a voting rights issue crisis in America for today, except possibly, except possibly, quite frankly, for conservatives possibly for conservatives. But there is a border crisis and there is an economic crisis and there is an international crisis that affects Americans when it comes to economy and safety. And they seem not to care. 
Russia and Guatemala is what they seem to care about. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. 34 after the hour brings us John Dombrowski, president and founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. His website is grandcanyonplanning.com. And you can also hear him every Saturday right here on this Bat Channel at 7 a.m. J.D., happy Wednesday. Hey, Seth. How's it going? You staying cool? You staying in the pool? Uh, (laughs) I wish. I just had the dogs outside here. We bring them to the office almost every day. And it is hot. Did they say no thank you and turn right back inside? Well, I carried them over to the grass, put them down, and then let them do their business and pick them up and bring them back in. So they're they're happy. Okay, <laughs> yeah, they're happy me, to be in. Carry me across yeah. the parking lot. Yeah, a little lighter and happy. I like it. All right, I'll let you know when I need your services. <laughs> John is a full service operation over there. Yeah, yeah. Johnny, talk to me about talk to me about federal. Uh, Reserve Chairman Powell's comments today. Are they responsible for the market doing what it did? Or cause yeah, some of yeah, the stuff today, I'm reading saying it wasn't. It shouldn't have had that much of an effect. Well, you know, the thing is, is of course, whenever the Fed speaks, it's almost like the old EF. Huh? Yeah, those commercials. Everybody listens. Yeah. And uh, you know, the comments that we we're expecting were probably going to be something that that. Uh, inflation definitely is here, which they did say that the Fed did raise its headline inflation expectation at 3.4%. That's a full percent higher than what they had projected back in March. Uh, and they also, though, continued the language of transitory, uh, believing that inflation eventually will fall back to that 2% level. So they believe that this is still just temporary. However, they did also mention that consumer prices uh raising, uh, you know, higher than expected. And this is about a 13-year uh, period of time that we, we haven't seen this type of uh, rises in consumer prices. Uh, so they also talked about interest rates, which was interesting. So they're talking possibly raising rates in 2023. Now, that seems a far cry away. Uh, but um, with that being said, we're going to have to wait and see if they're going to do that. They didn't say absolute. They just said it could be as soon as 2023 that they would raise rates. And therefore, we saw rates increase today, and we saw the market pull back a little bit. Not that big of a reaction as far as I'm concerned. Okay, good, good. I'm, I'm glad to have that analysis. One of the interesting things it looks like he was talking about, too, and I didn't know this. Obviously, you did. This is this is what you are expertise, uh, what you're expert in, among other things. I didn't realize there was a rapid, uh, a, 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 such a substantial rise in retirements that was such a problem. I just, I just missed that angle. I thought the problem was at the earlier part. I didn't realize there were retirements were coming in so big. And he said this is an ongoing issue. It's an ongoing issue. There's no question about it. I think a lot of people, COVID just kind of reprogrammed a lot of people. Yeah, that's uh, right. Like they, almost a, one and a half million people more than expected, I think. Yeah. And they looked at, you know, their life and they're thinking to themselves, hey, I, I, I just need uh, to start looking a little differently at, at my life. And, and so a lot of people, and I've seen this in my business too, Seth, Have you? people coming to me going, you know what, I'm done. Really? I, yeah. I want to retire. I have to figure out how I'm going to retire. Now, some of them maybe were thinking they were going to retire in three or four years, and now they're looking to two years. Or maybe they were thinking, you know, uh, another couple of years, but they say, I'm done right now. How can I retire? So we've got to get, you know, pencil to paper here and try to figure out the numbers and see how we could make it work for some people. But, you know, the government employees out there, Seth, we know have pensions, and that's always a big 
deal because if you have a pension, if you are a civil service uh, worker, you may also have Social Security. If you are in the military, you may have a military pension. So these individuals have additional income sources, but the average person out there today has their sole you know, savings might be their 401k and Social Security. So oftentimes, there's not that guaranteed pension income that some other people out there may have. So we've got to be very aware of that. And individuals have to understand that do the best you can, put as much as you can away towards those retirement accounts, deferring that income and allowing your money to grow over years. And hopefully you can build yourself enough of a nest egg so when it comes time, we can draw upon that to ultimately secure your retirement. Nicely done. Good. Thank you, John. You bet, Seth. Again, folks, go to our website, GrandCanyonPlanning.com. You can request an appointment right there. Securities and Advisory Services offered through Client One Securities LLC, a member of FINRA Pacific, and an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated. All right, brother. John Dombrowski, God bless you. Thank you very much, Thank sir. You, Seth. God bless you. Too. You betcha. We'll talk to you shortly. And I am here at 602-508-0960. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Boy, that heat came fast, didn't it? That's why I want to tell you about my friend Chris Funk and his team at Cool Touch Air Conditioning. They're the company I love. They're the company I use. They have a great system right now at Cool Touch they're promoting. It's an AC unit that's not like a light switch where the AC is blowing either directly on or off. They have a system with a dimmer switch for that AC unit that you have that would allow you to automatically use just the right percentage of air conditioning, like a dimmer switch on a light designed to not only give you the most comfortable living environment possible, but also the biggest savings on those painfully high and surprising utility bills where you don't have to keep paying for the dramatic on and off every time it switches. Cool Touch will eliminate the pain and the surprise with obviously fantastic customer service. That's what originally sold me on them. It's their customer service and quality of work I like so much. And right now, by the way, they're offering a $2,000 rebate at Cool Touch on the system I described. Give them a call at 623-734-1932. That's 623-734-1932. Or at Cool Touch. AC.com for all your air conditioning needs. They're great at plumbing as well. We'll talk about heating and cool touch later. But for all your AC and plumbing needs, cooltouchac.com. I love those guys. Joe Biden in Geneva just went from bad to worse. And uh, you want things in his case perhaps to end with a whimper, not a bang, but they ended with a bang. That uh, wasn't perhaps the bang he wanted with him ripping, ripping the CNN. Uh, uh, White House correspondent, Caitlin, um, Caitlin Collins. Uh, I have seen Donald Trump get into it with the press. And I have seen the press make a big deal of it as a man not in control of his faculties. Try this. Try this, Bill. Run that uh, for me, would you? Confident he'll change his behavior, Mr. President. Yeah, I'm not confident changing behavior. What the hell? What do you do all the time? So when did I say I was confident? I said, what I said was, let's get it straight. I said, what will change their behavior is that the rest of the world reacts to them and it diminishes their standing in the world. Stop for a second. Okay, do you understand? 
why this is a big deal, he's totally missing the plain meaning of her question. The plain meaning of her question is, why are you confident he will change? And he said, I never said I was confident. I said, I think. Yeah, that, that, that is one of the meanings and maybe one of the most plain meanings of confident. It has two meanings here, whether you have something borderline uh, borderline on certainty uh, uh, based on arrogance or whether you actually have a basis, a rational basis for your belief. And that's the way she was using it. It made perfectly good sense to me. And he gets hang- hung up on the fact that she's she's saying it in the sense that he's guaranteeing guaranteeing uh, uh, an, 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 an arrogant estimation that he made. Go ahead, Bill. They're standing in the world. I'm not confident of anything. I'm just stating the fact. But given his past behavior has not changed, and in that press conference after sitting down with you for By the way, hours, wouldn't you be confident if it's a fact? Why, why are you blanching from the word confident if it's a fact? You, you know, I would not be embarrassed. I just would not be embarrassed. If someone said, what makes you so confident the sun is going to rise in the east tomorrow? I wouldn't get upset about it. It's a fact. So he's he's trying to take blame off himself here for predicting something that we all know is not going to happen. And you know what that is, isn't it? Putin changing his behavior. Anyway, go on. Hours. He denied any involvement in cyber attacks. He downplayed human rights abuses. He even refused to say Alexei Navalny's name. So how does that account to a constructive meeting as President, President Putin? President? You don't understand that. You're in the wrong business. You don't understand that. You're in the wrong business. Keep going. Yeah. If I were his handlers, I'd get him off the stage pretty quickly, too, once you start telling reporters, never mind female reporters, if you don't understand that. It's called mansplaining, as I was told, right? Isn't that what that is? He later would apologize, but in a very odd left-handed fashion, um, in the sense that he said, you guys never ask a positive question. My gosh, he's sounding more and more like people the press used to give a lot of hell for. When they sounded like that, there's a fun thing on Twitter of the press reactions to when Donald Trump got into it with them versus what happened today. And the press today is comments, headlines like Joe Biden and CNN reporter discuss versions of language, versions of use of speech. CNN challenges Joe Biden on confidence in Putin. Really? Is that how they is that how they talked about it when it was Trump? Trump, cha- <laughs> Trump, CNN challenges. <laughs> OK, in any event, um, it was not a, it, it was it was a terrible loss of temper based on uh, something that I can only be explained by exhaustion or dementia, that kind of a temper loss at a question like that. But the odd thing to me about everything that was said was when he talked about the 16 sectors of critical infrastructure that he asked Putin or told Putin not to mess with. That is what Joe Biden said. He said, I talked about the proposition proposition that certain critical infrastructure should be off limits to attack, period, by cyber or any other means. I hate it when he uses period. He thinks it's an argument. 
Um, John McCain did that too. I talk about the proposition that certain critical infrastructure should be off limits to attack, period, by cyber or any other means. I gave them a list. And I don't have it in front of me, if I'm not mistaken, of 16 entities, 16 defined as critical infrastructure from the energy sector to our water systems. Now, initially, someone might say, why, why, why are you telling Putin there are 16 areas off limits to cyber threats, to cyber warfare? Why don't you just say, stop it? We're not we're we're off limits. Why 16? And why is Joe Biden saying, if I am not mistaken, 16 entities? 16 is a very, it turns out, for those who know some infrastructure, 16 is the number. It's not something the Biden administration came up with. It's like when you talk infrastructure, um, how can I compare this? I suppose if you're talking commandments, you know of 10. When you're talking critical infrastructure, Google it. There are the 16 critical infrastructure sectors. It's the th- sectors. It's the thing. It's, it's, it's what everyone in critical infrastructure knows about. The 16. It's, a, it's, it's, it's what you worry about when you do critical infrastructure. So I guess I'm just kind of saying it's just interesting to me that um, he's saying, if I'm not mistaken, 16 entities, someone who Someone who was going in to meet with Putin about infrastructure should know cold that there are 16 critical systems or structures and sectors of infrastructure. That is, if you take it seriously and don't need note cards. Do you say, hey, did you see he had note cards with his meeting with Putin? Putin didn't have note cards. Joe Biden had note cards. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Um, you know, one of the things I, I, I am amazed at is just how little the media has been putting any pressure on Kamala Harris since her return. And with regard to the border, which the Homeland, with the, which the Secretary of Homeland Security, Mallorca, said just today is closed. He said the border is closed. It makes me kind of want him to check in with um, his uh, border patrol. Uh, it makes uh, U- U.S. Customs and Border Patrol. That's that's not what they're reporting on their website, which is why Donald Trump has announced today that he will be going to the border at the end of the month with Greg Abbott in Texas. That will make the news cover it. That will make news other than Fox cover it. That will be a big news day. Here, I'll just give you some headlines from the CBP website. Maybe the Secretary of Homeland Security wants to check it out. Maybe the Vice President wants to check it out. This is the thing she's in charge of, right? Border Patrol, I'll just read you today's uh, headlines. Uh, I'll I'll just read them to you. Border Patrol agents arrest convicted Sereno gang member. Officials, uh, the CPB Brownsville uh, decommission, $1.3 million in, I'm doing the translation, $1.3 million in narcotics 
and uh, I don't know what that other word is, but 1.3 million in narcotics. CPP seizes toys containing hazardous chemicals. Brownsville CPP officers seized, uh, have uh, engaged in three drug seizures in one day. Uh, RGV agents, that is the Rio Grande Valley sector agents, save lives over the weekend. Four migrants from triple-digit temperatures and heat frustration. Uh, RGV Border Patrol and Texas DPT, DPS intercepts smuggling attempts. Uh, led to the disruption of two human smuggling attempts in the Rio Grande. Two. Well, I'm glad they were caught. I don't know about the ones that weren't. Those are just today's headlines from the CPP website. Just today's. But, of course, the border is closed. Of course it is not. And Donald Trump will bring light to that problem. In what will be an amazing news day. It will be an amazing news day when he goes to the border. I can't wait. Really great guy coming up. Mike Ferris. He's the head of Alliance Defending Freedom. He has done so much. Hero to me in education. I've learned a lot from him in education. He's going to talk about the coming backlash against the woke public schools. We'll be right back. 